0: I have a question for you. In our little bit of a meditation there, I challenged you to engage your creativity and some of your efforts in maybe regaining or, or reviewing a dream that you had or, or an intention that you might want to set or, uh, or some, some new progress that you'd like to see in your life. And so my, my question or my challenge is, why does it seem like these things are so difficult to find in real life? Why is it that some of the things that... And, and if you're like me, it may have even been a dream or an idea that you had from a long time ago. And here we are today still having the dream. And so, so my question, and hopefully we'll work on some answers for it too tonight, are why do we get stuck in these places? Why does it seem like our dreams remain dreams when we'd like to see more of them in real life? Or, or, or even just to be headed in the right direction rather than feeling we're stuck a little bit. I think I want to start, oh, and I'm going to probably going to piss you off if you don't mind, but how many people here did a New Year's intention or resolution? Okay. Wow, this is falling right around national averages. So, so believe it or not, 40% of people every year, they've done a few studies on this, do New Year's resolutions or New Year's intentions. About half of us. Guess how many of us, by mid-year, feel like our resolutions and our intentions have been stuck to, that we've we've managed to pull it off? Oh, no, no, better than zero. (laughs) A few of us manage it, apparently, but not very many, 9%. That's the 9% of people who make an intention or a resolution at the beginning of the year actually follow through as measured halfway through the year. Only 9%. Why do you think that is? Well, I have an answer for you. Um, actually, uh, 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 I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. I'm teaching the metaphysical Bible class over at my church, and as I was preparing for this talk, do you know how synchronicity works? It's like there we were studying some of the, the, te- uh, the teachings of Jesus, one of, the, one of our master teachers, and there, of course, was the perfect example for tonight, explaining the whole Shmir in one parable. So it's from Matthew uh, 13. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and just ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it just didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had not root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let them hear. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven itself have now been given unto you. Wow. So a threat and a promise, I think. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's work our way through this and see if we can make sense of it. Well, first, let's talk about the seeds that fell on the path and were eaten by the birds. Sometimes our intentions, sometimes our dreams just stay in that place of an intention, And we don't begin gathering in, for us, the ideas that would bolster it, the materials, the the support. Uh, We don't begin putting it. I think of it as a filter. Do any of you know the idea of having a mental filter? It's when you have an aspiration or when you have an idea, and you kind of put a filter then in your hearing, and your seeing, and your thinking, so that you begin collecting stuff that goes with that intention or that new idea. So let's say, for instance, maybe you're in the market for a new house. I think that would be a good example. You put your new house filter in, and suddenly ideas for financing, for decorating, for new neighborhoods, all that kind of stuff. When the filter's in place, you would swear everyone on the planet is here to help you with an idea of a new house, right? Suddenly you, you know, it's like realtors, you're sitting next to them on the bus suddenly, right? Isn't, isn't it the way it works? You start seeing uh, advertisements for financing schemes, the whole nine yards. Well, this is the seed, these are all the seeds right there on the path, but do we allow the other birds to get them? Do we pay attention? Have we put that filter in place so that they're real to us? So one of the ways we overcome this problem, you can think of it as installing the filter. You can start uh, uh, thinking about it as engaging your creativity in that way, but somehow you have to take the idea Somehow you have to take that, that theme and begin living in it a bit, not just have it sit in your mind in a wishful, hopeful way, right? That's the dream. The dream is wishful, hopeful when it first starts out. Wouldn't it be cool if? But instead you install that filter, Instead, you begin collecting the information and the data, the, I don't know, the, uh, the, the things you need to pull it off, and until that's working in you, It's just going to stay a dream. And those seeds you have planted are just going to be there for the other birds to pick off. But what about the seeds? What about the ideas that fell in the rocky soil? It says they sprang up quickly but withered in the sun because they had not taken root. To my way of thinking, taking root is that idea of real commitment to it. It reminds me of a joke. Has everyone heard the joke uh, about the chicken and the pig that started the restaurant? (laughs) Some. Okay, so the chicken and the pig started a restaurant, a breakfast restaurant, surprisingly, and the pig started getting the idea that the chicken wasn't as committed as he was. Their signature dish, ham and eggs, the chicken committed the pig all in. Are you all in? Now, do you see the difference between making a commitment and being all in? So for the chicken, it was certainly a commitment. It was a gift of the eggs. But when you're all into something, you're all into something. You begin organizing your life around this new way of being. If you if you have an aspiration, you begin thinking of what needs to actually change in your own life, in your own ways of thinking, in your own home, so that this will fit in. Let me give you an example. I remember when I first started being a practitioner, and and we have a number of practitioners here tonight. Uh, was I alone in not asking all the right questions to begin with? That was that was perhaps my downfall. I was really good at praying, really good at. Knowing the absolute truth for people, really uh, good at, at the activities of a practitioner. But in the interview sessions, I often would fail, just not, I think it was instinctual versus something you learned how to do. I didn't always ask enough questions, I didn't always ask the right questions. And so, one of my first clients was a, a, a woman of probably middle years that wanted to uh, have a new romance in her life. And so, oh my gosh. We prayed about it and she told me exactly what the relationship should be like and uh, and I questioned her about the qualities of maybe the gentleman that she wanted to be involved with and I had in my own head I had an idealized wonderful picture of exactly what she wanted and how she wanted to feel about it right And so she came back two or three times and was a little disappointed in me nothing was happening And finally, I thought, well, maybe I don't need to ask questions about the relationship or about him. Maybe I need to ask questions about her. (laughs) Those of you who are practitioners are going, oh, poor Larry. (laughs) We eventually get there, though, right? And so I started asking questions like, well, so uh, tell me a little bit about your social life, or are you getting out and actually meeting people? And she just looked at me. She said, Well, no, I am a professional. I I don't really have time to go out in the evening. And I said, Well, well, what about Saturday and Sunday? Do you are you part of social groups and you know? And she said, Well, no. And I'm thinking to myself, so what? You expected just the doorbell to ring and, then, and that do you see? It's like when you want to move forward in something, you got to be all in, you got to be available. You got to plant some roots into that idea. And so I I asked her some more questions. I said, well, is there room in your life if you had this guy? And she said, well, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, it sounds like you're so busy. What night of the week would be date night? What, you you know, if you're with someone, you want to spend time with them. It's kind of the whole purpose. And she looked at me like I was crazy. She was not being the good pig. (laughs) She was being the chicken. And what did chickens do? They chicken out. So if you have a dream, if you have an aspiration, you have to develop the roots for it. You have to be all the way in. You have to see yourself in it You have to make room for it. Uh, So after that, after I actually started asking some of the right questions, I had, of course, advice for, I said, well, maybe you wanna clean out half the garage, there'd there'd be room for another car. Maybe you wanna make time in your social calendar for a date night. Now, the first few weeks, there won't be anyone to invite to it, right? And that's okay. But the key is you've made room for it. There's a spot in your life for someone new. There's mental activity. Uh, On that date night where you're there by yourself, you'll start thinking of ideas of maybe I could be out being social with someone where there'd be people around so that the next date night might actually have someone besides me in it. Do you see how we take ownership then? We begin taking one step in front of the other when we have built some root systems on this idea. What about the seeds that fell in with the thorns. Those, of course, represent the weeds in our life. Those represent the things and the thoughts and the beliefs that are at odds with what we want. And I gotta tell you, there will always be people and things that want you not to change at all. And sometimes we're that person and that thing too. Sometimes we are so used to the inertia of our own lives that we don't really think of a way to allow newness into it. And it isn't that the idea of something new, a new job, a a new way of being, uh, more abundance, the sweetness of uh, participating with other people, it's not that those things don't sound nice to them, but we literally have the inertia of our existing lives holding us right where we are. And if that wasn't enough we probably have friends and family members going right in there with it. What do you mean you don't want to, uh, you know, watch TV every night with me? What do you mean you want to go back to school and learn American Sign Language? What what do you mean you want to uh, uh, spend a weekend at church uh, learning about uh, 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 the abolition of slavery like we're going to start doing uh, this Saturday with some social justice work right here, right? What do you mean you're going to change your life in? some way i like you just the way you are now it sounds nice doesn't it that someone would like us just the way we are but do you see if we don't take a risk and become something a little different what can we expect our life to be exactly as it is now suddenly did you just feel the dream drifting into the background instead of the foreground that's the weeds So how do we overcome this one? Part of it is commitment. We talked about commitment uh, when we were talking about the idea uh, of not putting roots down and what we need to do to overcome that. But are we brave enough to say no to our own inertia? See, I think it requires bravery. I think it requires a a sense of riskiness because you don't know how it's going to come out. One of the reasons we don't seize our dreams is we're a little afraid that we're not up to it. We're a little afraid that we're maybe overreaching, right? And I think that was back to that one client I had. She was a little afraid to try dating. Now, you might say, well, what's to be afraid? Well, who knows? The fear of rejection, the fear of not being good enough, not being smart enough, the fear that she might not be compared in someone else's mind as being appropriate. Who knows what it is? But we all have fears around newness. We all have that sense of, will I be able to do it well enough? Will I show up and be smart enough? Will people regard me well enough? And i got to tell you, we have to put all of that aside. Part of this is bolstering our self-esteem. Part of this is just being okay with taking a risk. Who can remember back to when they were five and six? Children are amazing and wonderful risk-takers. Have you ever seen a child, you present them with anything, and they'll give a go at it, right? It's like, twister, sure, I don't care if I fall over. Learn checkers, why not? Right? There's no sense of, like, well, what if I fail? Will everyone look badly at me if I don't get the nursery rhyme right or if I color outside of the lines? Ah, coloring outside of the lines. When did you first learn about that concept, that there was some right way and some wrong way of exploring your creativity? See, that's when the risk went out. That's when we became adverse to trying new things unless, what? Unless we could be perfect at it from the get-go. Perfection is a great dream killer. We need to have the freedom just to try a few things. In fact, I suggest to you, if you never fail at anything, you're not trying enough things. Think about it for a minute. If you never fail at something, It means you're not trying at enough things. You're not exploring your own creativity. You're not willing to take a chance to just have a little fun with something, whether it turns out right or whether it turns out less than right. That's part of bringing your dream to fruition. That is part of going outside of who you are right now, taking a risk to become someone a little bit different. You know, in the science of mind, we say that it starts on the inside in order to see a change on the outside. So often, we want to see the change on the outside, then maybe I'll put some effort into it, right? Is it going to happen that way? We have to become a little different. We have to take a risk at becoming a little different, having a little bit different ways of thinking, a little bit different kinds of things we accept and cherish into our lives, We start on the inside, taking those risks. Then on the outside, we begin seeing the rewards. Well, I think we've covered our little parable here pretty well, I want to talk real briefly then about the last category. What does the good soil look like? How do we prepare ourselves So that when we plant the seeds, they come to fruition. So that that, uh, what was it, tenfold, hundredfold? So, So that the productivity in this new idea of new way of being is truly astounding. Well, what does the soil look like? First of all, it's ready for the seeds. I've made room for newness in my life. I have the time, I have the materials, I have the willingness to make a commitment to something new. Whether it's learning a new skill, whether it's interviewing for a new job, whether it's the thought of dating again, whatever it is that you want that's part of that dream, part of that aspiration, part of that intention for the future, you've got to make room for it. You've got to have that ready soil. And that means you have to have resources available, you have to have time available, you have to have you available. The second thing we talked about is that idea of commitment, that we're all in, that we're willing to make ourselves into someone new so that we can experience something new. We're willing to do whatever it takes. Now, I don't think we have to have the how figured out. It's not that we don't have to have every little step along the way figured out. No, we can leave that up to God. In fact, that's what God excels at, But we have to be willing every day to take a next step in our best guess of a good direction, a willingness to take a risk that this step will take me a little closer and then we'll evaluate it. That feels pretty good. I think I'm headed in the right direction. Or maybe not. Maybe we did a a little bit of a mistake and it feels like, no, I'm feeling less comfortable about this. I'm feeling like my goal is a little farther off. We evaluate each step. We do corrections along the way. We don't beat ourselves up when we've made a misstep because it's just a step. The other thing, though, that we have to talk about is the willingness to pull the weeds up, the willingness to stand in our truth, even when our loved ones don't want us to change, Anyway, even when it feels difficult in our own hearts to do something a little different. We have to have those roots deep enough so that we can stand in that truth of what we want. It doesn't seem like this week I'm making any progress, and that is okay. I'll just take a nap. (laughs) Doesn't seem like this week things are going the way I want. It doesn't mean I should abandon the whole idea. It just means that this week things didn't go the way I had hoped or planned. That's okay. I'll adjust the plan. Which reminds me, the plan. Do you have a plan? Back for one moment to our uh, surveys of people and their New Year's intentions. Guess how much more successful people were if they had a plan around their New Year's resolution. Ten times more likely to keep the resolution if you have a plan around it. It doesn't mean that you have to stick to the plan. It doesn't mean the plan won't change. It doesn't mean the plan will have its blessings and its curses, right? As with any plan, if we put too many expectations into it, we're doomed to failure. But just having a plan and working the plan, adjusting it as necessary, you are ten times more likely to reach your goal, to have your dream made real in the world. So that is my last tip for how we can it's with a plan well i'm going to close um, with a bit of homework and a reading actually from ernest holmes ernest holmes had a few uh, things also to say about the teachings of jesus that i want to share with you Uh, but first of all a bit of homework Uh, can you guess Hopefully you all brought up the idea of a dream or an intention during the meditation. I would love it if you would take the parable home, notice the the three perhaps not so ideal ways to nurture that particular dream or that particular idea, and then have you begin preparing the good soil. Coming up with a plan. An idea of commitment, the sense of building the filter so you can start seeing your resources and the complementary ideas. So hopefully next time I see you, we'll have some success stories. Make sense? All right. I'm going to close with a a quick quote from Ernest Holmes here. This is from The Science of Mind. And he says, Jesus certainly thought that it was worthwhile to present his most important teachings in the form of parables. To him, everything in the natural world was a symbol of some spiritual truth. They are representations of how the cosmic plan is working out in the unfoldment of each and every person. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, and one goodness. There is only this one thing. I call it God, whether you call it spirit, the divine feminine, Allah. It goes by so many names. But the truth is simply the allness of everything. And because God is present everywhere, I know God is present right here, tonight, in each one of us, moving through us, representing us, a part of those dreams, a part of those intentions that each one of us claims on this evening. And because it is God flowing through us, I know these are divine intentions. These are illustrious dreams each of them worthy of finding a full fruition in the world. And so each one of us has that divine power to be fully committed, that ability to begin filtering our world for for complementary ideas and resources. Each one of us has that ability to build boundaries and to uproot weeds that seem to be in the way of these dreams, in the way of these intentions. Each of us Truly divinely powerful. Each of us capable as we commit ourselves to a course of action, to building a plan, to follow through, to take a simple step each day in the right direction. It's all that's called for. God literally does the rest. And so, for recognizing this capability in each person, I give great thanks. I see the world simply a place of dreams becoming reality. And I give great thanks. And so I release this prayer into that activity, into that action of the law itself, that divine law of cause and effect where where we state what is true for us and God says yes. 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 I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here.